Here beginneth the chronicle of those memorable circumstances of the year 1620, as recorded by Nathaniel Morton, keeper of the records of Plymouth Colony, based on the account of William Bradford, sometime governor thereof. So they left that goodly and pleasant city of Leyden, which had been their resting place for about 11 years, but they knew that they were pilgrims and strangers here below, and looked not much on these things, but lifted up their eyes to heaven, their dearest country, where God hath prepared for them a city, and therein quieted their spirits. When they came to Dell's Haven, they found the ship and all things ready, and such of their friends as could not come with them followed after them, and sundry came from Amsterdam to see them shipped and to take their leaves of them. One night was spent with little sleep with the most, but with friendly entertainment and Christian discourse, and other real expressions of true Christian love. The next day they went on board, and their friends with them, where truly doleful was the sight of that sad and mournful parting, to hear what sighs and sobs and prayers did sound amongst them, what tears did gush from every eye, and pithy speeches pierced each other's heart, that sundry of the Dutch strangers that stood on the quay as spectators could not refrain from tears. But the tide, which stays for no man, calling them away, that were thus low to depart, their reverend pastor falling down on his knees, and they all with him, with watery cheeks commended them with the most fervent prayers unto the Lord and his blessing. And then with mutual embraces and many tears, they took their leaves one of another, which proved to be the last leave to many of them. Being now past the vast ocean and a sea of troubles before them and expectations, they had now no friends to welcome them, no inns to entertain or refresh them, no houses or much less towns to repair unto to seek for relief. And for the season it was winter, and they that know the winters of the country know them to be sharp and violent, subject to cruel and fierce storms, dangerous to travel to known places, much more to search unknown coasts. Besides, what could they see but a hideous and desolate wilderness, full of wild beasts and wild men? And what multitudes of them there were, they then knew not. For which way soever they turned their eyes, save upward to heaven, they could have but little solace or content in respect of any outward object. For summer being ended, all things stand in appearance with a weather-beaten face, and the whole country full of woods and thickets, represented a wild and savage hue. If they looked behind them, there was a mighty ocean which they had passed, and was now as a main bar or gulf to separate them from all the civil parts of the world. Every year at Thanksgiving, the Wall Street Journal publishes this account of the pilgrim's journey. It's a way of keeping the story in our living memory, it seems to me. Stories are a way of communicating about life, about what it is, what it's about, what gives it meaning, and how to live. They help us understand who we are and where we're from, in a general way, since we share a common humanity, but also in specific ways, as with the pilgrims. Stories help us to make sense of things and invite us to situate the individual story of our life within a larger narrative. Clearly, this is what the pilgrims did. 
They knew that they were pilgrims and strangers here below. So they lifted up their eyes to heaven, their dearest country, where God hath prepared for them a city, and therein quieted their spirits. Apparently, the larger narrative by which one lives has real-world effects, from your direction in life to the stability and peace of your spirit. Apparently, not all narratives are equal. Apparently, they can compete and conflict with one another. This comes out in the pilgrims' flight from the state, the kingdom in which they lived, which was a contemporary manifestation of Daniel's vision some of which we heard in our first reading. Daniel had seen four great beasts arise from the sea. The sea is a symbol of chaos. The beast symbols of political kingdoms. The Ancient of Days, God, sat on the throne of judgment. He is the one who will one day set all things right, as judges do. The beast appeared to prevail over the saints of the Most High God until he came and judgment was given and the saints received the kingdom. Their vindication mirrored that of the one presented to the ancient one who looked like a son of man. Narratives compete and clash, and man must choose what he thinks is true. Such was the case with Pilate and Jesus, whose kingdom doesn't originate in the world, which is a symbol of evil and rebellion against God. That's why his attendants don't fight as Pilate's do. Christ's attendants cling to what is true. They listen to his voice as he tells the story of what life is about, what it means, and how to live. They avoid the false narratives that reject him as the alpha, the source, and the omega, the point of our life story. They reject those false narratives of powers, political or other, that incoherently say you can define what you are. You are the alpha and the omega. Resist the false narratives rooted as they are in seas of chaos and parroted by political or social beasts. Let's resist at this time by reclaiming the Christmas narrative, by selecting gifts with restraint and moderation, while focusing your family on the story of Jesus, which has clearly been lost during our holidays. Forgo the falsities and the gift-buying of unbelievers. Let them live according to their own story. You live differently. Give the gift of peace of spirit to your loved ones, for which they will thank you during their pilgrimage of this life, desolate and wild as it can sometimes be.